This is actually not a Christmas message. It's the one the Lord gave me for this morning. And I want you, if you would, to open with me your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We, we talked last week, and we're going to continue talking this week on being identified with the Lord. I guess in one sense we could say it's a Christmas message, that Christ came to redeem us unto himself, that we, we would be his, his children, that we would be part of his family. And I want you to read this with me, if you would. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to read verses, uh, verse 2, just that one verse. For I am jealous, Paul says to the church at Corinth, I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, the Bible correlates or relates a relationship with Jesus Christ to a marriage. Now, I know that there's all kinds of uh, pictures and distortions and perversions of marriage in our day. But in God's eyes, the way he intends it to be, he correlates or relates or uses the uh, husband and wife getting married, dedicated themselves to each other till death do they part as a picture, as an illustration of Christ and his church and Jesus and an uh, individual that comes to him that is espoused to him. And this is what Paul's talking about. And so I want to read. I know we have a lot of married couples in here and maybe some that will be getting married soon. But uh, this is a traditional marriage vow that I've used at a lot of weddings that the Lord's allowed me to perform. I, and you fill in your, the blank there, take you, fill in the blank there to be my wife or husband as the case may be, to have and to hold from this day forward. So think about the words, from this day forward, I take you to be mine for better, for worse for richer, for poorer, in sickness, in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward until death do us part. And so Jesus said, it says in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, I believe, for chapter 5, for we are members of his body and of his flesh. We're bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. We don't, when we come to Christ, you don't just join a religion. You know, people join religion. I share this all the time. I remember uh, we used to go in the prisons all the time to preach and minister and love ministering in the prisons. I remember being at Hunt Correctional around St. Gabriel. And uh, this, this time we were just going out on the yards. We had freedom on this particular time to, to move about where the guys lived and the basketball courts and all the places they hung out. And I remember talking to this guy about the Lord. Hey, can I talk to you about Jesus? And first thing he told me was, hey, you know, I tried that once, but I'm a Muslim now. I, I tried Christianity once. And I, I said, well, I beg to differ with you. I said, but you don't try Christianity. You don't try Christ. You're born again or you're not. You know what I mean? You're bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh or you are not that. But it's, you might try church. You might try joining a Bible study. You might try joining a choir. You might get water baptized. But you don't try Jesus Christ. You're, it's all in kind of thing. It's all in. So that's why the Lord says count the cost before you come. People join churches all the time. People uh, get on a, a religious or a Christian kit for a fad. 
for a little while and try something new, but you don't try Christ. You're born again, bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. If any man's in Christ, he is a new creature. That's something God does. We surrender. We, the last song we sing, I surrender all to Jesus. I surrender. Lord, my life, I freely give. How many of you have freely given your life to Jesus? I have. I don't regret it. I regret not doing it sooner. And I always say this, I've never met one person, not one, in my days of ministry and being a Christian, that if I went up to him and said, you know, uh, Susan Quinn, are you, are you, do you regret giving your life to Jesus? She, yeah, I really regret giving my life. To, I've never met anybody. He's really disappointed me. He's really let me down. I've never met anybody that truly knows Christ that is disappointed, let down, discouraged, regrets giving their life to Christ. I've met a lot of people who've regretted not giving their life to Jesus or like myself, not committing fully to Christ earlier in life, sooner in life. That will always be the case because he is, exceeds all of our expectations. So being identified with Christ is what we talked about last week and this week. And I was thinking about the marriage vow. That's why I gave it to you for better, for worse. Now, I will say this in Christ, even the worse is better. Okay. But the point is that there are times in our life when it's difficult to identify with Christ because of the persecution and so forth that, that we experience. But we're born of God. If we're saved, we're new in Christ. We're called by his name. We're called by his name. It really doesn't matter that people know my name. It doesn't really matter that people remember my name. It remembers that they saw Christ in me, that they met the Lord when they met me, that they experienced the Lord's love in my life back to them, his patience, his joy, his Holy Spirit in my life, that that's what they noticed and took away. They remember my name great, but they remember his name way better. Amen. And really come to know the Lord. And so we're new creatures. And even, even when the, the Bible says in the account in Genesis that the, the Lord said it wasn't good for man to be what? Alone. All the other animals, all the critters, you know, they had, they had a, a, a helpmate, so to speak. And he says it's not good that the man be alone. And she caused a deep sleep to come over Adam. He took one of his ribs. He didn't just make something new and fresh from something else. He made form man out of the dust of the earth and breathed his spirit into him and he became a living soul. But then from a living soul, he took a rib and he made woman. The word woman literally means the female of man. Or it means of man or from the man. So it's not some separate thing. There, and he said, Adam says, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And Jesus uses that as the example of Christ and his church. Can you think of a more intimate relationship? There is not a more intimate relationship. There is not a more powerful relationship or wonderful relationship. And that's the one that the Lord used to say, this is me and a believer. This is me and the one that gave his life to me, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. You know what it means when Paul says, I've espoused you to one husband? That word espoused means uh, a union fitted together, a joint of the body. We're actually a joint of the body of Christ. We read that in 1 Corinthians, right? Chapters 12 and 14 about every member part of the body of Christ. But I want to say this, y'all, that we are 
joined to one husband, so to speak. I don't mean anything weird or perverted. I just mean in that relationship of intimacy, being one. The two shall be, what, one. You say it at every wedding, just about. You're going to see a miracle here today. I said it myself at many weddings. This husband, this man, and this woman, they're the two individuals, but in God's math, those two become one. It's not one and one equals two. It's one and one in Christ equals one. And this is what we're identified with the Lord, and we are holy and eternally His. When you give your life to Jesus, if you have not, I pray you do. You can this morning. I would love to pray with you. Some would others pray with you to give your life to Jesus. But we are to gladly and joyfully and completely identify with the Lord. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not ashamed. Some people are ashamed. There have been times in my life where I acted ashamed that I was a Christian because of what people would think, because of what friends would think. When I was at LSU in a fraternity, what, what are these guys going to think? So I took my light and I hid it under a bushel. And I did that for five years, which is five years too long. Amen? I regret doing that, but I don't regret now having sold out to the Lord completely. I do not regret that. And I want to tell you that we are to gladly and joyfully belong to the Lord, identify with the Lord by faith. I want to say we're to do it privately. We're to do it publicly. We are to do it um, among our brothers in Christ. Like this is easy, right? Say I'm a Christian and sing the songs. This is easy right here because we're among family, Christian family. But we're also to do it when it's costly. We're also to do it when it might cost you something. And when, and because living for the Lord in this world that doesn't know him can be costly. Jesus said, I've given you, given them, he's praying to his father, the last supper, I've given them, speaking of his disciples, thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We talked about this last week. We're not just weird. Christians aren't just weird. Are peculiar. We're weird and peculiar in, in the same sense that Jesus was. There's a lot of strange people on this planet, okay? But we're different in the sense that Christ is different. We're not of the world. We're born of the Spirit of God. We have a different nature, a different, a different uh, Heavenly Father. And, and our sins are washed away and we're new in Christ. We're not of the world. And so there, I just want to read this passage if you're taking notes, it's John 15, 18 through 21. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, this is Jesus speaking, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake. Why? Because we're identified with Christ. We've taken his name. All these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, he said, because they know not him that sent me. It just boils down to that one thing. They don't know God. 
They know about God. They can talk about God. They can talk. Their grandpa was saved. Their daddy was a preacher. Whatever it may be. They were baptized in water as a little kid. But all these things the world will do to you because they don't know the Lord. They don't know the Lord. And so this is a world that we live in. Live in. Jesus said, you will be hated by all men. You will be hated and despised by all men in this world. And so Paul said that we're made a spectacle to the world and to angels and to men, Christians. He was speaking about the apostles, but I think this would translate to all Christians. We're made a spectacle to the world. What does it mean, a spectacle? We talked about it last week. It means a public show, a theater. Now, there might be times where we're living in, in an environment where most of the, the atmosphere is pretty Christian or, or compatible with Christianity. And there's times when it's not. So there's more times when it's not. And more places on this planet where it's not. We're made a public show. What did the Romans do back in Jesus' day and the days subsequent to that in the early church? They made a spectacle of Christians. They would sell tickets and pack an arena and they would come. What was their entertainment? They want to see a boxing match? They want to see a football game? No. They came to watch Christians be thrown to the lions. It was a sport. Human beings, like you and me, being thrown to lions to be devoured as a sport. That's a good example of, we're made a spectacle, it means a theater, a public show, Paul says to the world. It can be costly to live for Jesus. Our salvation is a free gift, so don't get the two confused. Salvation is a free gift. He doesn't ask you for anything. You give your life to Christ. He gives you everything. He gives you eternal life and the forgiveness of sin. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's what we do with that life once we have it that can be costly. Do you live for God? Do I live for God? Like this Bible says, by the Holy Ghost, even when it's hard, even when people don't like it, even when it's costly, okay? Because it's easy when the boss is a Christian and my professor's a Christian and I let them know I'm a Christian and I might get some bonus points for that, okay? But what about when it's a different environment and you let people know you're a Christian because God Almighty says, let them know you're a Christian. Let them know you belong to me. Identify with me privately and identify with me publicly. It can be hard to live for the Lord. Living for God in this world, not salvation, but living it out, walking it out from this day forward to death do us part, that can be difficult. Thank God he helps us, amen? amen. Thank God he helps us. He's a very present help in trouble. The Holy Ghost is in us and he empowers us and gives us great boldness and joy even in the midst of it, amen. even in the face of things that come against our lives. But, there, but don't make any mistake about it, uh, the, the persecution and rejection, Jesus promised it. Okay, he promised it. He said that he didn't say this might happen to you. A few select people, Christians, he promised it. And it says in 2 Timothy 3 12, yea, all that live godly in Christ Jesus. I know I quoted this last week, but every word of that scripture is important. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, shall suffer some form of persecution. And we looked last week 
at Peter's denial of the Lord. Peter was a wonderful man of God, loved the Lord, served God, but he had a, a very dark night and a very uh, big failure that is recorded in all four Gospels because he had just said to the Lord at the Last Supper, Lord, if everybody denies you and forsakes you, I'll not. He says, really, Peter? You can, before the cock crows, before the sun comes up this morning, you're going to deny me three times. Oh, I would never do that. And all the other disciples said the same thing. But the scripture said, when the, the shepherd shall be smitten, the sheep shall be scattered. And when the Lord was taken and arrested that night, all fled. John came back, we know. Peter came kind of hanging on the outskirts watching what was going on. We read about his denial, but his denial was basically this. There was a fear. He loved the Lord. When he was among the company of his own brethren, so to speak, that was easy to love Jesus. It was easy to, I'll, I'll die for you, Lord. I love you. I'll do anything for you. When he sees his Savior being taken and arrested and beaten and mocked and spat upon his, his clothes stripped off of him and angry curse words being hurled at him, now he's getting a little scared. Wait, this could happen to me too. I'm not blaming Peter. I've been scared too, all right? But I'm just saying it was a miserable failure. And the Bible says that uh, when, when the damsel came to him, three times he denied the Lord within a, a space of, I don't know, a few hours maybe. Then the damsel that kept the door on, said unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? I know I saw you with him. You know what he said? I am not. I am not. There's no, you can't sugarcoat that. You can't kind of spin that some other way. It's in all four Gospels. And the last of the three denials, he cursed. This man of God cursing. I don't know him. Here's Jesus looking right at him. I don't know him. We might not ever say those words, y'all, but in our actions, we can cower down and do that. Now, Peter became a new man. God forgave him. God came to him after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, spoke specifically to Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. I still have a lot for you to do, Peter. And I'm going to tell you the kind of life you're going to live for me and die for me. In John, end of uh, Gospel of John. And he did live for the Lord. Peter became a new man. He had boldness. He didn't cower down. We never read about Peter doing that again, ever. He was a miserable failure, but God picked him up, dusted him off, filled him with the Holy Ghost, set him on his feet, and said, now get back out there. This is you. That failure, that's you without the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This, this walking in power, this is how I want you to walk in the boldness I'm going to give you. And, and the Bible says that uh, he, he was converted, so to speak. Not saved necessarily, but converted. And so he became this new person. And later, not a short time later, when he and John were persecuted and beaten and commanded not to preach in Jesus' name anymore, they said, said they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to do what? Suffer shame for his name. What a difference. Here he's denying the Lord three times, hiding out in the, in the shadows, warming himself by the fire. I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I don't know. I'm not one of Jesus' disciples. Don't equate me with them. You, you're mistaken. Well, he went, went out and wept bitterly. He was miserable about his denial of the Lord. 
and he was convicted by it. And you and I will be too when we deny the Lord. Great conviction. It's a miserable place to be. But then he's changed. He's transformed. And he leaves later rejoicing. Thank God. We were counted Christian enough, Christ-like enough, to be persecuted like Jesus. And y'all, he lived for the Lord the rest of his life. And I know history records that Peter was crucified like his Lord, but not exactly like his Lord. Jesus died on the cross and rose the third day. Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. And he said, crucify me upside down. And he was crucified upside down. What a change in his life. Identified with Christ. Yoked together with Christ. Espoused to him for better or for worse. Even I'm describing the worst as being the persecution, but even the worst in Jesus is better. Even the worst in Christ is far better than being lost in your sin. How many of you know that? Because we were all lost in our sin at one time. You know what that's like? It's miserable. It's hell on earth. There's no hope for that. Without God having no hope in this world, we were by nature children of wrath. Even the worst in Jesus Christ is better than being lost and in your sin apart from Christ. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles and read this passage with me. 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 14 through 16. 1 Peter 4, 14. If you be reproached, and that's what we're talking about, for the name of Christ, for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part is the evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men, men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. This is a wonderful passage of scripture. What is it talking about? Specifically, I'm identified with Christ. I'm going through life. I'm not suffering. Praise God. We're not suffering because we're a thief or a murderer or something like that. Everybody suffers for that. Lost people suffer for that. Lost people to go, go to Angola for that. But if you suffer for being a Christian, if you suffer for living for God 24-7, all the rest of your life, I'm just living for God privately and I'm living for God publicly. I'm doing what His Word says. I'm doing what the Holy Ghost is leading me to do at that moment. And I'm doing that and I suffer because of that. Be happy. Happy if you, the Spirit of God and of glory, rests upon you. It rests upon you. The world doesn't have that. The world doesn't have the Spirit of glory and of God resting upon them. And so even the worst is better in Jesus. The worst trial as a Christian that you'll go through, the worst persecution, the worst rejection among men is far better than this world can offer. It's far better than anything this world can offer. Because one, one of the main reasons that is is because whatever we would suffer for His name's sake is temporal. It's temporal. It doesn't last. Some Christian that's in prison in North Korea right now, and there are or in China right now, or in some Saudi Arabian or Muslim country prison right now because of their walk for Christ, a pastor, 
I was having a church in his home and got caught, you know, and his house burned down and he's in prison and been beaten and both his legs are broken. You know what? That's still better because it's temporal. And because in the midst of that prison cell and separation from his family and losing his house and everything and having his legs broken, he has a fellowship with Christ that those tormentors that are tormenting him know nothing about. And it's for you too, and it's for me. This is not some doom and gloom thing. It's talking about, we're talking this morning about being identified joyfully with the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord turns our sorrow into joy. Weeping may endure for a night. It's temporal, right? For a night, you might have weeping. A night could be longer than a night, but you understand it's a season. It's a time. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The Lord's going to bring joy, and the joy that he gives will be eternal, and it will be lasting forever. So you look back and you say, wow, I'd gladly go through that a thousand times, what I went through yesterday, for this eternity of joy that's set before me. The Bible uses the example of a, of a woman giving birth. Hallelujah, I've never given birth before, okay? But a woman giving birth and the birth pain she goes through that are so strenuous and hard and painful, and at the time, they must seem unbearable. But once they have the baby and look back, and the baby's placed in their arms, they're thinking, this is awesome. That's why people have second children, right? And third children. Because uh, the pain is forgotten for the joy that's lasting that comes as a result of that. And our Lord turns our sorrow to joy, our pain to comfort and healing. Our Lord turns our being rejected by men to being welcomed, welcomed home by Him. The Lord turns the world's curses into blessings. When we are being cursed and mocked and ridiculed and rejected and of angry fists shaken at us from a world that doesn't know Christ, I don't go seeking that out, by the way. It comes with knowing Christ. And the Lord turns that around. There's a wonderful example. He turns it to his blessings. And the Lord turned uh, hatred and literal stones that were being hurled at the, the martyr Stephen, our brother in the Lord, first martyr in the New Testament. There, he's preaching the gospel and they begin to stone him. And the Lord turned those stones and hatred into a grand welcome home where, where the Father, he saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father standing to welcome him home. The Lord turned it around. Stephen, would you do it again? He said, I would do it a thousand times again. I would do it a thousand times again. Or more than that. Because it's worth it to be identified with Christ. And so the rejection, the being despised by men, is exactly what the Lord said it would be. It's exactly how he said it would be. It is our reception in the world. I send you forth as sheep in the midst of what? What? Other sheep? No, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Thank you, Lord. You know, this is really how it's going to be. But I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. You're going to do miracles in my name. These signs shall follow them that believe. Don't fear him who can destroy the body but has no power after that. Fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That's the Lord. Walk with me. Fear God. They're not going to touch one hair of your head. Not when that same chapter says that not one sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing it. 
you're of more value than a lot of sparrows. He's taking care of us. So yes, he's sending us forth. Our reception is going to be like sheep in the midst of wolves. But the Lord is with us. Amen. And so don't be afraid to identify with Christ. It's not a surprise when we're persecuted and rejected and hated. Don't be shocked as though some strange thing is happening to you. That's what the Bible says. What in the world? I thought when I gave my life to Jesus, I would be elected mayor. You know, I thought I would be governor of Louisiana or maybe the next president. No, we're expected. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake. Some are going to come to know the Lord through your witness. So understand what I'm saying. Some are other Christians and you'll get along fine with them. Praise God. He gives us that. But as a whole, the whole world, the whole world system is lost. The whole world system has a God of this world with a little G who is the devil, who is Satan. And doesn't know the whole world is in darkness and we're the light of the world. So we walk out there. You don't know from person to person if they're going to hug you and say, can I give my life to Jesus too? And you say yes. Or if they're going to punch you in the face. You don't know. Live for Jesus. Okay? Live for Jesus no matter what. Nothing's going to happen to you or to me that the Lord doesn't allow to happen to our lives. The Bible says for unto you it is given in the, in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him but also to suffer for his sake. It's given to us. Not only to believe in Jesus and go to heaven one day, but while we're here on this earth to suffer for his sake. So don't think it's strange, okay? Don't think the world's picking on you necessarily. Don't think God's picking on you because you lost some friends when you gave your life to Jesus. When you got passed over for a promotion or a scholarship, when you gave your life to Jesus and lived publicly for God. Don't think the world's picking on you. And don't think God's picking on you. He says it's going to be this way. And it is this way. And also, you know what? I have to remind myself, don't think you have it worse than everybody else. We can get to feeling sorry for ourselves and think, well, so-and-so a Christian, they got promoted at their job, and they're now CEO. I'm a Christian, and I try to witness somebody, and I lost my job. I got it. Don't think of it like that. We don't compare ourselves. We walk the walk that God's called us to. It is enough, Jesus said, for the disciple to be as his master and the servant as his Lord. That's enough, he said. It's enough for you to be like Jesus. Each individual disciple and follower of the Lord, for that individual to be like Christ. We each have our own walks that he sends us through. We each have our own trials and our own difficulties and our own rejection. And people in other parts of the world have much more severe persecution than we have now. Maybe we'll see it. In the days ahead. Not that I long for it, but maybe we will. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore. Don't fear them. Fear the Lord. I'm talking about a healthy, godly fear that the Bible talks to us about. Uh, when, when Peter says to resist the devil, he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He says, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your Christian brothers that are in the world. Mm -hmm. Paul says this, having the same conflict which you saw in me. What are we saying? It's not strange. The same conflict of Paul, the same conflict of Peter. It's not, it's not uncommon. It's the life of a Christian in a world that doesn't know Christ. Don't think it's surprising, and I'm going I'm to start 
bringing this on to, uh, towards conclusion, but also don't try to escape it. Don't try to look for an escape. When it comes to your walk with Jesus, it is not ours to seek out the path of least resistance. If I'm traveling through a lot of traffic and want to go to the beach in Florida, I'm going to look for the path of least resistance. But when it comes to my walk with God in the midst of a world that doesn't know him, don't look for the easy road. Just look to the author and finisher of your faith. Wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Lord who loves me so. Wherever he leads, I'll go. That's an old altar hymn that we sing. So a lot of times I think Christians make the mistake, I did it. I've done it before. I can understand it. So I'm not ridiculing. But a lot of times Christians look for a way out. How can I keep everybody over here that doesn't know Jesus happy and not disappoint the Lord too much over here? I gotta find that middle ground. Don't look for the middle ground. Come over here on the rock of Jesus Christ. Put both feet right there on the rock of Jesus and say, here's where I stand. I'm standing right here. Now we have to be wise. The Bible says be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Every single moment of your life is not time to stand up in the cafeteria on the lunch table and preach a sermon. But I tell you what, if God, if you were in that cafeteria and God said, I want you to tell this guy about me, who you know is an atheist and he's your boss or whatever, tell him about Jesus. You understand the point? It's being obedient wherever we are. Don't look for the escape. Don't look for a way out, some way to, to, uh, to skirt around or evade the persecution of this world. It, no, I only see two, way, two ways for a true believer in this world to escape persecution. Number one would be the rapture. Okay? We're raptured and we're no longer here or I die and go be with the Lord. Um, I've left this world behind. No more persecution in heaven. Amen? All that's over with. No ridicule, hatred, rejection, anything like that. Mocking. The only other way to escape it is for me as a believer to compromise the Lord Jesus Christ. In some measure, a little compromise, I evaded a little persecution. You understand what I'm saying? A little ridicule. The, and, and we're not to compromise. We're to be holy in the sense of W-H-O-L-L-Y. Holy or completely His. Paul said, I've espoused you to one husband. This is your husband. Identify with Christ in a mob of people that doesn't know him and with your brothers and sisters at Cornerstone on Christmas Sunday morning. Identify with Christ. Compromise. The only way we could escape persecution or ridicule is in some form of compromise. Compromise in our actions, compromise in our words, and our stand for the Lord. And that's the only way to really to avoid being persecuted in this life that we currently live. Remember though, it's temporal. It's temporal. I'll give an example. God says you're the light of the world, right? He's the light of the world and when we're saved, His Spirit lives in so us and He says you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And He made you light. He lit our candle, so to speak, by the Spirit of God. And then I say, that's great, Lord. Thank you so much. I thank you when I'm done, I'm going to heaven. But these people over here, they don't believe in all this Christian stuff, so I'll cover it up. 
covered up. When I'm with them, I covered up. When I'm with these people, I covered up. When I'm at work, when I'm at school, my boyfriend, girlfriend, this person, that person, I want to cover, I want to temper it at least a little bit. He said, that's not what I'm calling you to do. Do you belong to me? He said it to me for five years of my life. Randy, do you belong to me? Yes, Lord, I do. Five years. Take it up. It's time. It's beyond time. Stop covering your light up. Take the consequences that come with it. Stand for me. You're also going to get the blessings that come with living a committed life to Christ. There are blessings that come with that. Joy unspeakable. Amen. And full of glory. And so, you know, we again, we might not say it with our, our words, but a worldling says, hey, you're one of those Christians too. And we're like Peter and say, hey, you're mistaken. I am not. That's a miserable place to be. Don't think that you're, you know, you may have avoided some, or I may have avoided some ridicule temporarily, but it's miserable. That's not where you want to be. So if you've never been there, hallelujah. If you have been there, you know what I'm talking about. And I'll say, don't ever go there. To deny the Lord. He says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, people, Okay, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. And so by compromising, I don't know the Lord, or we just kind of shut our mouths when, we, when God says, speak up on my behalf, and we don't. And we think we've made little peace terms, a little peace treaty with the world. Same world that doesn't know Jesus. Same world that crucified the Lord of glory and its wisdom. Crucified the Lord. And, and we think, well, oh, I got away with it that time and managed to escape. But we transgressed against our friend, our Lord, our friend who's sticks closer than a brother. And there's no joy in that, y'all. I promise you there's no joy in a compromising life. Peter, after he denied the Lord three times, what did he do? When the Lord looked at him and kind of caught his eye the third time, you know the story, all four Gospels. Peter went out, a grown man. I picture as a big, rough, tough fisherman. Okay, Peter went out and wept bitterly, bitterly, probably wailing at his own failure to take a stand for the Lord. I said, God, there, he had to go through it. He went through it. It hurt. Okay, God forgave him. God restored him. God gave him the gift of the Holy Ghost. God says, I got a lot more for you to do, and he used him. But compromising is no life. It's only regret. It's only shame. It's only loss. Okay? He wept bitterly. And I'm just going to bring this to a close. But we're to stand squarely upon the rock. Jesus. And, and there's a little saying like, feel the wind in your face, basically. Everybody's going that way. It would be easy for me to turn around and just kind of go this way. I'll, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go to hell with them, but I'll just kind of blend in and go along and won't make any waves. The whole world's going this way. I'll just keep my mouth shut and kind of walk this way with everybody else. But God says, hey, wait, Randy, I'm going this way. Are you going to come with me? Yes, Lord. And so I turn this way and everybody's blowing by that way. Their opinions, their, their beliefs, their morals, their practices, they're all going that way. And God says, you want to walk with me? I'm walking this, this way. 
and you feel the wind in your face, so to speak, that can be a good thing. That is a good thing. I feel the wind in my face, but I feel Christ with me. I know the Lord is with me. To take that, to, to, to take it squarely and, and receive that. And, and God wants us to walk with him. There's such blessings that come with that. Know that when we do this, we are not alone. If you were the only Christian on the planet, if you're the only Christian in some uh, Muslim country, uh, you're the only one there, you're not alone. You're not alone. The Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. It's the Lord in us. Sometimes we feel like, you've heard the saying, it's me against the world, okay? And sometimes we feel that way, but as a Christian, it's not. It's you and Christ in you and for you and with you, okay, against the world. And that's the place you want to be. Paul said at the end of his last epistle in 2 Timothy, he says, at my first uh, defense, no man stood with me. Paul had won all those people to the Lord. And when he came down to his crunch time at the end of his life to testify that his first defense, no man stood with him. He didn't, well, where's all my Christian buddies and my disciples? No man stood with him. He said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. And he is going to stand with all of us and keep us and strengthen us. There's a special joy. I want to lead in on a joyful note. There is a special joy and a special communion with the Lord Jesus for the one who identifies fully with him, even when it's costly. So say it might cost you your career. It might cost you a promotion. It might cost you some scholarship. It might cost you friends. It'll probably cost you friends, okay? And he'll give you other friends in place. But we're going to hear from the Lord. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. Enter in to the joy of the Lord. I want to close with these two scriptures. Dee, you can come on up. In 2 Timothy chapter 2. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we also shall live with him. If we suffer, if we suffer for Christ, we also shall reign with him. If we suffer for him, we also shall reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. In the last scripture from Hebrews, and we talked about it last week, chapter 13, it says, Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. So there's a rally call, like, when, when you read a scripture like that, he's actually telling us something to do. Let us, come on, he's telling his Christian brothers and sisters, let us go to Christ. He suffered publicly and in shame, right? Daylight. Hanging between two thieves, whole world watching, Jewish world watching, Roman world watching, you know, family members watching, stripped naked, probably had very little clothes at all, beaten so bad you couldn't tell he was a man. Very public. And he suffered outside the camp. He wasn't in the temple or in the church or something like this. Among his brethren, so to speak, he was crucified 
open, openly, hanging between heaven and earth. For everybody to gawk at and gaze at and ridicule and mock and spit upon and curse and taunt. And then the, the word of God says, let's us, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? I am. Let's us go to him. Let, let's go unto him without the camp. Go out and serve God. We have to have these times like this among the house of God and the people of God to be strengthened. This is necessary. But he said, let's go out there because Christ is out there trying to save people. He's trying to get people to come to him. Let us go, therefore, unto him without the camp. How? Bearing his reproach. Don't be ashamed. This is God Almighty that's your friend and your Savior. Why have I been ashamed before? But I have been. Not my pattern. I don't want to live that way. But I have been before. Y'all stand with me this morning. I said it wasn't a, a Christmas message. It's just the one that, that God gave me for us this morning. While you're standing, the altars are open. We have some new kneeling uh, benches down here where we can kneel and worship the Lord. Whatever God's speaking to your heart this morning, to surrender all to Jesus. Maybe you've been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you've taken your light, your candle, which God says let it shine and we've covered it. And he's saying it's time for a change in your life. I want to fill you with the spirit of God and the boldness to take a stand for me. I want you not to deny me before men but to confess me before men. Maybe you're in the midst of persecution right now for standing for the Lord and you just want to come worship Him and, and be ministered to by Him. I encourage you to come. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus and say, I've heard about the Lord. I've never truly given my life to Christ and I want to this morning. Let me know that if you come because I want to pray with you to give your life to the Lord. Altars are open. I'm closing with this passage. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Amen. The spirit of glory and of God rest upon us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Father, we just give this time to you, Lord. We give ourselves to you. And Lord, you said you were. Wherefore, those you're not ashamed to be called our brothers or to call us your brothers. Lord, we, why would we ever be ashamed of you, Lord? I pray you give us boldness because that fear and cowardice on our part is very real. But the Holy Ghost and the boldness you give is, is very real as well. And the communion that you give us and our suffering for your name's sake is very real and priceless, Lord God. I pray, God, we would know that fellowship. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable to his death. God, take this time and bless it. Bless your people. Strengthen us, God, that we would stand holy and firmly upon the rock of our salvation. 
use us for the glory of God. Lord, it's probably not going to be much longer till you call us home. But while we're here, God, help us to let our light shine brightly before men. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord.